Gareth Jones on Speed News Blip. The Ford Motor Company announced this week that after a more than 45-year production run, that they will no longer build the Ford Fiesta. The small hatchback will be taking a siesta, a permanent one. The beloved little car will no doubt be escorted off the production line, no doubt to be replaced by a new electrified model, probably drawing on a heritage name from Ford's past. Our suggestions here include a moniker like E Thunderbird or Capri with an E, or most likely Escort XRE. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, a Bijou edition with just two people. I'm Gareth and she is Sarah. Hi, Gareth. How are you doing, Sweet Pea? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Welcome back. You've been away, haven't you? I have been away. I went to the sunny seas of Spain, on the coastline, actually. What were you doing there? Unfortunately, not a holiday, but I was down there for the very last leg of the World Rally Championship, and it was really cool. I've never been to the World Rally cars, and I uh, really enjoyed it. It was really fun to be you know, out and about amongst the paddock and see all the, the cars and the different manufacturers and the drivers, and there's actually been a world champion crowned, I think, last race, yep. but this particular race was the last of the season, but... I had nothing to do with the race or the drivers, but I was down there working with some people that are involved in this series on a different level. What sort of level, then? <laughs> well, these guys, there's a company called OCI, and they have created what's called High Fuels, spelt H-Y-F-U-E-L-S, High Fuels, 100% sustainable green methanol product created from industrial and food waste. So these guys are working with World Rally exclusively, really. So it's their, basically it's their testing ground to test their high fuels in the World Rally and see how good it does, I guess, develop and perform. And I guess their objective is to have this amazing fuel for racing that won't jeopardize any performance. So they don't want to compromise any performance in the extreme conditions that the rally cars do go through. Yeah. And, yeah, so they basically want to show the world just how great these high fuels are and with the idea then to use it in other applications such as aviation, shipping, you know, on the roads with trucks and everyday vehicles. So the good thing about rally cars is that they do use everyday vehicles that a lot of people do have on the road. Yeah. So I found it quite interesting and it's definitely something that everybody in motorsport is working towards. Yeah, that's right. The FIA is encouraging or they're making sure that all their racing series are moving towards a sustainable future. It's interesting. I'm guessing that this is a methanol-based fuel if it's made from food waste, and they do use methanol in IndyCar. You can tell because when they refuel the cars in IndyCar, they spray the fuel filler socket with water because when methanol burns it burns invisibly you can't see it so if it is burning you don't know so they squirt water as soon as they finished filling just to put out any flames that may be there but i would imagine that the methanol that they use in indycar isn't green 
produced. In fact, I used to use methanol. I used to fly radio-controlled model aircraft and helicopters and RC cars when I was a kid. And they run on what was called nitro-methanol, which was very volatile, very greasy, very smelly. I wonder if this high fuel is smelly. Did you remember the smell of it? Did you get to handle any of the chemicals? Well, I did get to go to the refueling station, the refueling zone. And funnily enough, I didn't smell any stench. Maybe it's either A, it's me, or B, it really is a clean brand because it didn't smell, you know, and I saw lots of the rally cars coming in and being refueled. That's where we did a lot of our shooting, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I'd like to have been there with you on that. I'd love to talk to those people about that. Yeah, it was really cool. Though I might have it wrong. Maybe I just wasn't up close to the petrol fumes enough. But I kind of was. So You can't call it petrol. It's not petrol. It's fuel. It's high fuels. <laughs> it's high fuel. Yeah, yeah. Get the brand right. That's right. Sorry. My mistake. I've been conditioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Formula One. We had a... Tremendous race. I think it was a cracker, wasn't it, at the US Grand Prix? I love the circuit of Americas. I think it's a fantastic track. And did you see how many people they had there this time around? They did say they had quite a few people there. They said the Americans, they love the Formula One. They even had Brad Pitt. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is a really cool track to, you know, all the aerials and everything look really cool. So it's a great track. And some are saying it has been the best race of the season it was a cracker yeah there was a lot going on actually and it was good to see lewis hamilton in the lead even if it was just for five laps or so (laughs) yeah hooray for that there is hope i know i never thought i would say that two years ago but i mean (laughs) i kind of missed that it's quite endearing to see him be so humble in second third fourth place all the time i reckon lewis hamilton is the michael jackson of Formula One. I don't know if you've heard him during interviews these days, but when he's on the radio, he's like, oh, you guys, you did everything. It's <laughs> like, he kind of sounds more like Michael Jackson than Michael Jackson did. He's more American and more softly spoken than he ever used to be. There were 440,000 people at the Circuit of America. Wow, that's amazing. I think that's over the whole weekend. I don't think that's all at one point, but that's a heck of a big crowd considering how F1 used to really struggle when it was at Indy, when they raced on the Grand Prix circuit in Indianapolis a few years ago. And it's all down to drive to survive, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's been really popular, very popular in the US. And there is more races happening next year in the US, Las Vegas even. So it will definitely develop yeah. further over there. And especially with all the interest in creating this Formula One film, yeah, it's all heating up, isn't it? It's really cool. I'm intrigued about this film, though. Brad Pitt in the pit. He's perfectly named, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, he's just an incredible actor. I really like Brad yeah. Pitt. Did you see his latest film? Uh, what's it called? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No! He actually won a Golden Globe for it. His performance was so good. So I definitely re- enjoyed it. He was just like this amazing character and he just played it so well. And it's got that really dark sense of humour. It was, uh, what's his name? The film director that does those gruesome films. Oh, my goodness. I can't think of his name. But Leonardo DiCaprio acted alongside him. I'm very fond of Brad Pitt as an actor. I'm not sure how good this film is going to be, the Formula One film, because there have been a number of 
attempted F1 films over the years. And there's only one good one. Is it the 1966 film, Grand Prix? I think it was 1966. I could be wrong. That was very atmospheric and wonderful. But the nearest we got to a Formula One film in recent times was when Sylvester Stallone courted Bernie Eccleston. He said, right, I want to make a Formula One. That's my Sylvester Stallone impression. I want to make a Formula One film. It didn't sound like that. And right at the very last minute, after like 12 months of Sylvester Stallone being in the F1 pit lane, Bernie said, no, you're not going to make it. I changed my mind. But Sylvester Stallone went ahead and made the film anyway, but he made it in conjunction with Champ Car in America, which is what IndyCar was during that period. And this was the corniest piece of celluloid waste of time you will ever see. It was an awful film. At one point, the hero of the film steals a champ car, then goes chasing off down the highway or down through a city, chasing someone to defend his girlfriend or something like that. It was awful. The crash scenes looked good. The crash scenes were really good. But the rest of it was abysmal. And I think Formula One is going to be a very difficult film to make properly. It's either got to be a very, very serious film or it's got to be an utter fantasy. But I'm concerned that if it does become fantasy, it's just going to be silly. But you've got to hope that Brad Pitt can do it. And he's got Lewis as a producer, hasn't he? Oh, really? He's producing? Wow. That's yeah, cool. yeah, one of the producers. No, I, I think it'll probably be a serious film. It was Will Smith. He acted in a film with Margot Robbie, and there were some scenes from that based on a Formula One circuit. I don't think they'd be able to do comedy. Like, surely not. I think it'll be more about the racing. Didn't they do, you know, Ford versus... Oh, right, yeah, that's the best motorsport film, Ford versus Ferrari, Le Mans 66. Exactly. We saw that together. Yeah, exactly. The storylines, they think, well, you'd hope they'd be quite good. But I'm sorry, going back to Once Upon a Time in Film, Quentin Tarantino, sorry, he was the, uh, oh, the director right. of that. So, yeah, Quentin Tarantino. So, worth a watch, definitely. Sorry, coming back to it, I, I couldn't think of it now. I Thank you. I managed Yes, just in case. I can never remember anybody's names these days. I haven't for 10 years. Have I Dave? You're called Dave, aren't you? No, that's right. All right, let's talk about the race. Uh, Zach Brown. Zach Brown got a lot of attention. I know it's the US Grand Prix and he's American. But at one point when he was being interviewed, he referred to Valtteri Boltas. Valtteri Bottas. You'd think he'd know how to say the names of the people on the grid by now. Bottas? But also, Zach was spending a lot of time with Mario Andretti over the weekend. He let Mario Andretti drive a McLaren from about five years ago. And it was one of the old screaming V10 McLarens. It sounded beautiful. And Zach himself somehow managed to squeeze into a car an old McLaren, drove that around with him. Couldn't keep up with Mario. Mario, despite being 80-something, was absolutely flat out on the circuit. I love him. But I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued because why is Zach giving so much sort of airtime to Mario? Maybe because it was the American Grand Prix. But I also think that Zach might be a bit warmer to having Andretti, you know, Mario's son, Michael, on his team, in Formula One than the rest of Formula One are. And I think there's still a chance that Andretti could come into Formula One. And I think it's down to the sad death of Dieter Matasich, who runs Red Bull or ran Red Bull, owned Red Bull, I should say, because 
I can't see Red Bull continuing in the same way that it did without Dieter Matasich. And I think, I'm guessing here, but I think there's a possibility that they could sell off Toro Rosso or Alpha Tauri, I should say. And the two things can coincide. You know, when Red Bull go to their own powertrains in 2026, then that means Honda will be slightly cut adrift. And Honda have a great relationship with Andretti in America. They run Honda engines. So I think, I'm making a prediction here, it's a tricky one, a risky one, but I think Alpha Tauri will be bought out by Andretti Honda. That's my prediction. So we will get a new team on the grid, but we won't get an 11th team, which annoys me because I think we need more teams. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That was the end of that. Um, <laughs> I know, I just let you go then. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a good idea, but I'm just not sure things will move that quickly after the death of Mr. Red Bull. Dieter Matasich. It's actually Dietrich yeah he sounded like just a really good guy i mean he started with his energy drinks and he think he was associated with salbar and yeah. he was very influential began two racing teams i don't know whether they'll recreate the wheel i wouldn't say soon i mean that's my gut feeling so i'm obviously no expert on what's going to happen in the leadership of formula one and all the different teams but you never know we are here to speculate whether we've got facts or not i mean i think he was very much a loved guy but not only that he was influential in formula one he was obviously very influential in developing and shaping the athletic careers of a multitude of athletes across the world in a multitude of sports yeah that's true yeah you know just a really 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 good guy and he's really promoted adventure sports as well, hasn't he? Wild things like people who fly in wingsuits with jet motors strapped to them and extreme sports like motocross and downhill mountain biking. You know, it was a great synergy. You know, he made the Red Bull drink more exciting by associating it with exciting sports. And that's what motorsport is. That's what a lot of sport is. It's just a way of advertising your product, isn't it? They're all doing it. Mercedes are doing it. Benetton used to do it. Benetton used to run a Formula One team and they made jumpers. So anything is possible. Okay, let's get onto the race itself. It was a fab race. It was a very dramatic moment when Alonso drove into the back of Stroll. Blimey, neck. did you see that? I saw that. I did hear Alonso say that he was very surprised that the car just sort of kicked on. And he remarkably went from 14th place on the grid right up, and I think he finished 7th. Is that correct? He did, but then he was given a 30-second penalty because as a result of that crash, one of his wing mirrors was loose and eventually dropped off the car and there's a protest i believe alpina protesting that at the moment they don't think that's fair but when alonso hit stroll it was incredible i've never seen a car do this in f1 before the front wheels came off the ground but the rear wheels stayed on the ground as if it was doing a wheelie and i think the only way you can achieve that is if you've still got your foot on the throttle. So I think that tells us a lot about Alonso. Even when his car is crashing, he's still on full throttle. Bless him. But yeah, you do have to have rules that protect the safety of other cars on the circuit. If you've got a car with bits hanging off it, you have to be called in as cars have been over the season so far. Oh, and Sarah, I've got to compliment you. 
Oh, yeah. Yep. Do you remember a few races ago, you made some quip about, yeah, I wonder which of the F1 race directors is going to get sacked next. And you were right. It was Edward de Freitas. They've sacked him. You were right. Did I say that? You did say that. Yeah. I think you were talking about the shenanigans at... Oh, I can't remember. There was a race where there was a red flag incident and all that. Yes, yes, yes. And it was wet weather and... Or it was a sprint race. No, it was the end, wasn't it? It was the end of a race that finished under yellow flag conditions. And we said, oh, no, they should have raced. And you said, oh, someone will lose their job for that. And yeah, De Freitas is gone, which is a shame mm. because he's fab and he's calm and he's cool. And he's the race director for the FIA World Endurance Championship. He's a top man, top man. Well, I read that they are either rotating race directors or there's somebody else that's coming up and they're keeping somebody stable. Sorry, that's not a very definitive like, comment, is it? But. <laughs> yeah, I did read that they are making decisions about the race directors. They have not been able to replace the man that passed away. Charlie Whiting. Yeah, yeah they sorry, Charlie yeah. Whiting. I think he was obviously very good yeah. because no one's really been able to match him. No one ever argued with Charlie Whiting. His word was law. And I think that's kind of what you need. For a judge, it's like the decision is final. Yeah. They've got to be unquestionable. A couple of things I noticed whilst watching the race. Number one, George Russell finished fifth again. I'm going to call him George V. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the programme before, but he sounds like royalty. George V. He always finishes fifth, no matter where he starts. Also, it's a shame that Lewis didn't get a win in the US Grand Prix because it would have been a win at his home race. Lewis? Oh, what America? Yeah, of course. No, who's home race in America? It's getting closer to Daniel Ricciardo. His second home is LA, constantly in LA. I'm glad you mentioned... Danny, what's the latest? Have you heard the rumours, what the latest is he's going to do next year? I don't know what he's doing next year. I did hear that he could be a Mercedes test driver, but I think the reality is is that he knows he's out. I think he's very miserable from what I hear that he's at McLaren, and his results are showing. He's just not really enjoying it, I think. He's probably just trying to see out the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it must be awful that dead man walking feeling. You know, he's living on borrowed time. It has been mooted whispered that he could go back to Red Bull as a reserve driver. But I don't know. I don't think he should stick around. I think he should go off and just have a complete reset and come back when there's a seat because he will find that as unsatisfying, being around without racing. Because, you know, even if you're having a miserable weekend, at least when you're racing, you know you're doing what you do best. And he's going to be denied that, isn't he? Poor fella. Yeah, it sounds like he needs a break. Mm. I'm going to compliment you again, Sarah. I'm full of flattery in this episode of the programme because you mentioned Jack Doohan coming to Formula One a few episodes ago. And the news today is that he's going to run in free practice one in Mexico and Abu Dhabi in Ocon's car in the Alpine. So we'll get to see just how useful he is. There you go. See, I must have psychic abilities. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, maybe I do. <laughs> You've been doing a good job on this case, let me tell you. Oh, coming back to Alonso's crash with Stroll, I was again screaming at the television, red flag, red flag. I really like a red flag now. I think if you have an incident where there's lots of material all over the circuit, then you're smarter to red flag it. I think red flagging a race... 
adds to the excitement of the race because you bring all the cars into the pit lane and it's as if the teams get a reset. They get to huddle round together and go, okay, right, yeah, this is what we're going to do now for the remaining part of the race. It's almost like a restart, almost like a reboot for the race. And I was disappointed they didn't red flag it this time. Do you think they should have red flagged it? Was there reason to? It was marginal. It took them quite a while to get the snatch tractor up the uh, circuit from where it was to retrieve the car. And there was quite a lot of debris. But I think they should red flag it at the drop of a hat these days because it actually builds the excitement. So even if it's marginal, I think, yeah, red flag it rather than having the cars plod round. You know, mm. people can go and have a wee, can't they, in the stands? And they know they've got 10 minutes before it all starts again. I guess so. It's the same here. I can have a wee. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd have to feel sorry for Carlos Sainz. Oh, Carlos. He was having a great weekend. His first chance of winning outright in a while because the clerk had to start at the back of the grid because of all his penalties. And yet he blew it in the first lap. Mm. Poor Carlos. And I do like Carlos. There was a great sequence on Sky's coverage. There's an Irish impressionist called Connor something. I can't remember his last name. But he does a superb impression of Carlos Sainz. And they had Connor doing Carlos Sainz, talking through the lap as if he was doing it. You know, the car, obviously it was a problem with your car. With little Ant, you know, Ant Davidson chatting. And then Carlos Sainz joined the conversation. And I swear, Sarah, you could not tell the difference between Carlos's actual voice and the guy doing the impression. It was absolutely spot on. And he took it really well. He, he was really cheerful. I know he was in a good mood because at that point he'd got pole. But poor Carlos. Oh. Is he going to win again before the end of the season? I don't think so. He hasn't won yet, has he? Has he won, actually? Maybe. Yeah, he won at uh, Silverstone, of course. i tell you what, Ferrari, I, they really have self-sabotaged a lot of times. Yeah. Or maybe not. I mean, Red Bull have been very good. Red Bull have been the best car definitely this year. Do you think the racing has been better with the new regulation? Yeah, we're definitely seeing cars running closer together. We're seeing more passing. I think the ground effect aerodynamics on the cars now make it more difficult for cars to run in the wet. I think that's why we're having more wet weather problems than we had with aerodynamic downforce from wings. And I think that's something that they might want to consider. I know that they're working on the tyres again. They're working on a even more water-displacing wet tyre for next year, what we used to call a monsoon tyre. I think they're going to bring that in. And I'm wondering if that's a factor of the ground effect aerodynamics who knows? Who knows? The rest of the race, the conclusion with Max winning, slightly disappointing. But did you hear Christian Horner talking to Max on the radio at the very end? He said something very interesting. He said, uh, Max, you're a world champion. We're world champions. And I thought he was actually teaching Max English. You know, I am, you are, they are. I thought mm. the next thing he was going to say was, they are not world champions. But no, it made sense. And Red Bull are the undisputed champions this season, aren't they? Yes, they really are. A lot of people might be sceptical with all their, you know, cheating and over budgets and things. But they definitely, they have the better car. They've got, you know, 
I mean, look, I'm not an expert when it comes to who's got the most technical car, but their aerodynamics and all that stuff seems to be a lot more advantages, that's for sure. Yeah. And sorry if I'm talking crap, but I mean, Red Bull are renowned to have better downforce, you know, going around corners and things like that. And I think the last few seasons, Mercedes were always really, really good on the long straights, but Red Bull seemed to be doing a lot better in all areas. And I think next year, Mercedes are quite hopeful that they'll get back up there. And some are saying that it's just the dawn of the Red Bull era. We've had the Mercedes era now. It might just be Red Bull. Yeah. Once you get the momentum, you can keep it going if you're clever. Although the new regulations mean that because Red Bull have won the championship this year, they get, I think, is it 14 or 7% less wind tunnel time next year? and Mercedes get more time. So it it keeps the pack together. And Mercedes have been forced into questioning everything that you know about their car. You know, Red Bull's excellence this year has forced Mercedes... In fact, they made a statement this week to say they've got a North Star, they say. They've got a point to which they're working to for next year's car now. And I'm wondering if they're going to take on board some of the techniques and technologies that Red Bull have used and if they do that in combination with these micro side pods these very tiny radiators they could well have an advantage so yeah you know it'll be a good season next year we know that okay outside of formula one we were talking in the last show about how w series was struggling financially did you hear that lewis said that he felt that Formula One could do more and should be there to help out W Series. But that ain't going to happen because the FIA are starting their own female feeder series. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have heard about it. I think it'll be like a lower, like like an F3 type series. F4. Oh, F4. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And it's for young drivers, I think 17 to... 22 or something like that that's cool yeah but lewis said oh you know we don't want to find one driver we want to find i'm doing michael jackson's voice again (laughs) we don't want to find one female driver we want like hundreds of drivers he was complaining there was a meeting at the u.s grand prix and there were 70 people in the room and he said more than 60 of them were men and there were you know a smattering of women and in terms of diversity Pretty much everybody in that room was white. So I think Lewis has got a point. We really, really need to work on that now. And I say we as humankind. Mm. That's how I see it. Otherwise, it's just going to be a white man's sport for the rest of all eternity, unless you make positive changes. What would you do, Sarah? How would you make it change? Any idea? Um, What would I do? Look, I do think there's moves to positive change already. Lewis is a huge advocate for it. There's a lot more women involved in the sport. Women are getting more and more opportunities. I think the main thing for me is that back in the day, but even when Mark Webber was driving and, and early on when Ayrton Senna and all those drivers were racing and Daniel Ricciardo was a huge fan of Ayrton Senna. He used to get up at all hours of the morning and, and watch him as a little kid. Now, if I was a little girl, I wouldn't be able to watch Formula One and see women driving cars. I didn't have any role models. I didn't know that women could do it. So little girls just think it's a boy sport and they weren't allowed to do it. 
you know, it's a bit like ballet and little boys, you know, they just think it's a girl's sport, but it's not. It's open to both genders. And I think more and more as young girls see other women get behind the wheel of a motor racing car, they'll start to believe that they can do that too. So it's just getting more female role models and more, I guess, multi-raced, I guess, role models. And Lewis Hamilton is a great role model for you know, I guess the black community that I don't think the color of your skin really is a definitive, but I do think there is a lot of merit in saying that young kids do need to see that they can do it too if they want to, because, you know, their role models are doing it. So it's definitely doesn't hold any discrimination towards any necessarily agenda or any culture or color of your skin. I think it should be open to all. And it is about just getting more and more drivers that are more and more multicultural and diverse. I've got the answer. I've just worked it out. We start with a karting series that is for only black women that'll do it wow they might start to think it's the other way might be racist the other way (laughs) well it's positive discrimination but that would solve the problem wouldn't it black women get them in yeah that would do it hey there you go we've sorted out the future of formula one just you and me sarah in our short conversation today (laughs) we've sorted the future thank you very much indeed and sarah i'll see you for the next show yeah I'll see you later. Bye. Thanks, Gareth. Bye. Bye. And so long, you guys, here for the next On Speeding. A week time. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whiz Bang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed! Speed!